We're grateful for your continued support of this podcast with your shares, ratings, and reviews. And thank you, listeners, for joining me for my conversation with an incredible human being. You'll hear his life-changing story of a cancer diagnosis and the transformation that followed. Welcome to Evolving Humans. I'm your host, Julia Marie, and this podcast is for visionary people like you who are exploring the true nature of reality and want to contribute to the global awakening. You seek to deepen the connection to your multidimensional self so that you can live a more conscious life. David McBee is a keynote speaker and podcast host, digital marketer, and author of both a self-help book and a children's book series. In September of 2022, David was diagnosed with a dozen neuroendocrine tumors more commonly known as Nets cancer. After his diagnosis, a massive surgery, and about a hundred lifestyle changes, David lives each day with gratitude, despite the potential recurrence of cancer he lives with every day. So welcome, David, to Evolving Humans, and thank you so much for letting us into your world. Thank you for having me and allowing me to share my story. I'm always interested in my guest's origin story. So what was it like growing up in David McBee's house? David McBee had a lovely home. I felt very loved. My parents were around a lot, argued a little with my little sister, but uh, no, mostly we had the perfect little American nuclear life. Spent a lot of time camping, doing Boy Scout, things like that. Uh, was not much of an athlete. Uh, got good grades, did some theater. Sounds like a pretty good life to me. The dog and the, you know, and the, and the Picket fence yard. And the... So, yeah. It seems that life is headed in the direction that you'd planned for it to. After you grew up, what did you do with your life? Well, after going to college and getting a very expensive and mostly worthless degree in theater, I got into uh, sales and marketing. I sold Yellow Pages ads, remember those, back mm -hmm. in the day, and then transitioned into digital marketing about 20 years ago. So I was very early in the game. I remember calling business owners and telling them that I could help them with their placement on Yahoo, if that gives you an idea. <laughs> and so I've been kind of in the digital marketing game for a couple of decades now. Well, it sounds like your life was going exactly according to your plan. You're successful, respected, well-known in your field. And then you get some news that had to have stopped you in your tracks. What was it like for you to get a cancer diagnosis? It might surprise you to hear that it didn't really hit me right away. I had known quite a few cancer survivors. The doctors told me that we caught it early, and I felt like this was just a challenge that had come into my life and something mm -hmm. that I would be capable of beating and beating quickly. It wasn't until further studies 
discovered that the um, tumors that were originally found in my colon had spread to my liver and it was stage four and I got a scary prognosis that it really hit me that I had a terminal illness and that was pretty tough. That was pretty tough to hear as you can imagine but I still always felt like this is something that I can win. This is something I can defeat and I still feel that to it today. Mm -hmm. Even even after a year of living with this cancer and it coming back after my surgery and all of those things, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but okay. I live with tumors every single day and every single morning I pray that they don't multiply or spread or, you know, cause me further distress. Well, for whatever it's worth, when you were talking about it being something you could overcome, I was getting goosebumps when I'm hearing truth. That's kind of the response I get. So we don't have to know the how. We just have to stay in the now and just keep moving forward. Do you have a special gift of goosebumps as a truth meter? I like that. 35 years ago, they told me the tuning fork of truth resides in your heart. And so I asked Spirit at that time, whenever I'm in the presence of truth, I want you to hit that tuning fork so I know that I'm hearing truth. So you're saying that I'm going to win? I'm saying you will win. Excellent. As I read your story, you made some pretty radical life changes after you heard the news. Would you share those, please? Because much of what you listed is very important for all of us. Well, let me start by saying that I am an absolute reading junkie. Mm -hmm. I read every single day and I've been reading for many, many years. It's one of the things that I consider is the reason for my financial and career success, mm -hmm. as well as my relationship success. I can name three books right off the top of my head that helped my relationship with my my wife. So when I was faced with this new challenge, I immediately started consuming content as quickly and rapidly as I could. So I was reading a lot of books about living with cancer, overcoming cancer, health and fitness, longevity. And the book that had the biggest impact on me was a book called Radical Remissions, which is about cancer survivors who beat the odds despite what Western medicine could not accomplish for them. Mm -hmm. And in the book, there are several radical remission steps that are outlined that most of these survivors had in common. And so when the doctors couldn't tell me what caused my cancer, when they said the only way to treat it is to surgically remove it, oh, and by the way, it's back. I said, okay, I've got to figure out what can I do from my, now, I'm the CEO of my body. That's and correct. so I have to take control over this. And so I started adopting all of the radical remission steps. Some of those included changing my diet dramatically. For example, I gave up most sugar, most artificial sweeteners, caffeine, alcohol, most red meat, just about anything you can think of that's that's not really good for you. I'm a mostly pescatarian now, and that's something that was really hard for me because I am a Kansas City barbecue <laughs> fanatic. 
And one of my favorite things to do is to taste the local barbecue. It is my passion. And so now I, well, I've mostly given that up or I eat the beans, right? So that's, that's one step and that's a pretty common one. There's also a lot of supplements. There is learning to meditate, getting better sleep, working with alternative healers, which I've been doing lately. Just sounds to me like the common sense things that we're told all the time, but we don't really do for ourselves in a prophylactic or preventative way. It's a shame that sometimes we come to those things as a response in an emergency type situation. Think about this for a second. You know, ice cream's not really good for you, right? Oh, but it tastes so good. It's so good. And you know, people that have lived into their 90s eating ice cream. Mm -hmm. So why not eat ice cream, right? Mm -hmm. And then you discover you have tumors that feed on glucose and cancer oh. loves sugar. So the next time you go to have a bowl of ice cream, Think about while that. it might taste good, it also feels like you're poisoning yourself. And so it's a little easier to give up some of those things when you believe that your life is threatened by them. That's a very cogent point. Thank you for making it. You say cancer got you in touch with your spiritual side. And from my perspective, I would say that was your wake-up call from the universe. What were some of those perspective changes. We've talked about the physical ones, but what are some of those mental or spiritual shifts that you made? Well, let me start by answering that question with a little bit of back history. Sure. I grew up in a Catholic household. Mm -hmm. So I didn't go to Catholic school, but I went to, you know, the, I was, I was a confirmed Catholic until my teens. Then ironically, I took a course in college about what Catholicism was <laughs> and realized I don't believe most of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I, I always felt like there was a God and I had a spiritual connection, but all the dogmas of the church and the rules and all the things that go along with that just really rubbed me the wrong way. And so in my early twenties, I basically turned my back on the church and kind of put God in the back corner, if you will. Occasionally talking to him now and then if I was scared or desperate or needy, like a lot of people, right? Like, mm -hmm. hey, I'm just going to visit you when I need something. So getting a cancer diagnosis makes you start thinking about life after death and is there a God and all these things. And people start saying that they're going to pray for you. And I didn't know if that was helpful to me or helpful to them since I wasn't sure if I believed in God, right? I'm not yep. going to tell you not to pray. Please pray. Yep. Then I felt this overwhelming sense that the prayers were having a positive impact on my journey. They had an impact on whether or not the doctors could successfully remove the tumors. They had an impact on my ability to cope with the surgery and the experience. And I just felt this overwhelming love from all of my community. And suddenly prayers didn't seem so silly to me. They seemed like, <laughs> I was going to say magic, but <laughs> not, okay. not, not, magic isn't exactly the right word. That's the one that came to my head, but it's felt, I felt like something had happened. 
And so I started listening to music that referenced the Lord and the Spirit and Jesus. And I wouldn't even to this day say that I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus was here and did amazing things. I think that we are all children of God, that Jesus maybe just was more in touch with that, if you will. But I started praying a lot. And uh, part of that is just wondering if there's a point to praying, but also feeling a little bit better when praying. And then something really, really interesting happened. I haven't spoken about this publicly at all, but I felt God's presence. I was literally driving a rental car somewhere in Texas on my way to a business trip, and I'm having a conversation with God in my head, and I do that a lot. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I just felt like he or she was right there with me, like as real as if a human had been in the passenger seat. It was like no other experience that I've ever had. And it's not something that I was hallucinating. I wasn't drinking or high or anything crazy like that. I just was in touch with the spirit. Mm-hmm. And and ever since then, I've just spoken to the Lord a lot more. And I've felt his presence. And just, I'm so sure that there is a God in a way that, I always looked at people who were sure there was a God and I thought, well, why are you so sure? Like, why do you believe that book? Why do you believe what you were told? Why, why, why? But now I just have this experience that I can draw upon to realize that, that there is a God for me and there's a God for everyone. And whether or not they believe in him or her doesn't really matter. No, that was a beautiful example of how spirit works in our world and I say prayer is half the conversation. And if I'm looking at your situation and hearing it from my perspective, I'm going to say that the inflowing of that presence was God's answer to your prayer. Yes, I am here and yes, I am real. It's real. It's not a figment of your imagination. Yeah, you're not just talking out loud or even in your head to nothing. There's someone listening. Consciousness is real. Absolutely. And God doesn't care whether we personify it or not, or how we model it, what kind of image we make it into. The universe will appear to us in the way that is most comfortable for us to receive it. That's just my own personal perspective. I like that. Yeah. Like you, I was raised Catholic. And... And so I understand that, and I've observed by watching Christian-based shows, when they speak of the Holy Spirit, they're speaking of the same thing that I talk about. They're just using a different label. The, the universe communicates with all of us on whatever bandwidth they can find to make that connection. The universe doesn't care. God doesn't care. That's my two cents, but thank you so much for sharing that beautiful story. Yeah. Well, thank you for, like I said, having a platform for me to share it. Yeah, well, you proved my point. It's a two-way conversation. When we ask, it says in the Bible, you shall receive. It doesn't say maybe you will or maybe you won't. It says you will. 
that's from my legal statutory construction background, shall and must are mandatory, could or may are discretionary. That's so awesome. <laughs> you talk about how this changed your life, but how did it affect your relationships, especially with your family? Actually, this is something I have spoken a lot about. Every relationship in my life has improved. Mm -hmm. Now, let me just start by saying that my relationship with my wife and kids, phenomenal already. We've had our issues in the past, you know, but we are a close family. Cancer brought us way closer together. Like, every time I hold my wife's hand, it's just that much more special because I don't know how much longer I'll get to hold it. Every time I look into my children's eyes and their face and their smiles, it's like I see them in a way I didn't see them before. And a lot of cancer patients and survivors will say things similar that they are, they're not walking blindly through life anymore. It's like a wake up call to make you appreciate all the things that you have and relationships are normally improved significantly when you get a cancer diagnosis. People come out of the woodwork that you haven't talked to in forever to let you know that they're thinking about you and that they love you. And when you have a lot of people saying those things to you, you feel happier. You feel loved. And for me, I had a huge community of people um, sending me selfies, which, which is kind of my fun thing. I put this on Carrying Bridge. I said, listen, you don't know you don't know how to talk to a cancer patient. You don't know if you should bring it up. You don't know if you should talk about something random. Like you want to be there for them, but you don't want to remind them or ask them how they're feeling all the time. And so I told my friends, I said, just send me a selfie when you're thinking of me. That's all. No words, nothing. Just send me a selfie. I'll send you one back. And it's like a little tap on the shoulder that says, hey, I was thinking about you this morning. And getting those selfies is just the best. So we do a little thing called selfie check-in. And I and I <laughs> share that with my friends and they share it with me. And so all those relationships have improved. But specifically, the one with my wife is just off the charts. Every moment with her is just that much more precious because, you know, I told her I'd never leave her. And now I have a diagnosis that says I probably will at some point, whether I want to or not. Right. So I've got to make our time together that much more valuable. And so, yeah, it's, it's a good thing. It's one of the silver linings of cancer is that relationships improve. Well, I wanted you to share that because I wanted to point out that maybe there's a whole bunch of us out in this world that are not really embodying the preciousness of the life we've been given. But it's a powerful message. Life is precious, and the people in our lives are precious to us. I'll drive the point home even a little further. Okay. Before the diagnosis, I was getting a little bored with life. Mm -hmm. I've been at the same job for a decade and I was like, okay, I've got this job and I, I can do it in my sleep. It's not that challenging to me anymore. I loved the work, but I was a little bored. And 
you spend 25 years with the same woman and there's some moments where you're bored together. Also, if you had asked me a year ago how many close friends I had, I would have probably counted them on one hand. But the diagnosis brought, like I said, everyone out of the woodwork. And today I am passionate about my work. I am passionate about every moment I get to spend with my wife, even if we're just sitting on the couch watching Lego Masters, you know, (laughs) that's precious to me. Mm -hmm. And the friendships that have been rekindled, I just can't even count them anymore. It's just a beautiful, beautiful result of a terrible, terrible thing. You talk about following your intuition more. So can you share a specific instance where you followed your intuition and the outcome that resulted from that? I'm just curious if you have any stories along that line. When I was in my early 20s, I lived with a roommate uh, by the name of Troy Helming. And Troy Helming influenced my life in a lot of positive ways. He taught me about entrepreneurship and financial success. And he really got me into reading uh, all the self-improvement books. At the time, he talked about how awful sugar was. I was laughed at him, you know. Uh, He told me about uh, exercising. I was like, whatever, you exercise. I don't have time for that, right? So I ignored a lot of his uh, mental and physical advice. And one of the things that he introduced me to at that time was an alternative healer who works with chakras and um, energy, energy healing, right? Mm-hmm. And boy, did I think it was wackadoodle, you know, I'm 20 something years old and I'm laying on this massage table and there's this voodoo going on. And I thought, man, this is the dumbest thing ever. Meanwhile, Troy has been seeing this same alternative healer for 25 years. He is one of the fittest, healthiest, most successful people I've ever met. He's the over 50 Ninja Warrior. You know the show Ninja Warrior? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the kind of shape he's in. My first instinct when I got the diagnosis was, I need to open my my mind a little bit. Why am I so closed off? Mm-hmm. I'm opening my mind to all these health changes. And now I want to see... I want to see this alternative healer. So I contacted him. I said, Do you, are you still in touch with Ben? And he's like, oh, yeah, I've been seeing him forever. And by the way, when my mother was diagnosed with cancer, this was Troy talking, they gave her two years to live. Working with Ben, she got 20. And so I immediately said, all right, my intuition is telling me that I need to open my mind to this. And I've gone to see Ben a couple of times. We've done several sessions together. And the insights that I have learned about myself mm-hmm. working with Ben. And also, I can't say for sure, but when my tumors returned, we all assumed that they would multiply and grow. I started working with Ben and they have stayed stable for six months. Now, it could be the medication that they started me on. It could be the diet changes. It could be the prayer. It could be sleeping more. It could be all the other things that I do. But my gut tells me that working with Ben has been a hugely successful part of my recovery. Isn't the right word because I'm not ever going to. 
yeah, stabilization. Yeah. Yep. Neuroendocrine tumor, does you don't recover from it. It's a chronic disease that you have for the mm-hmm. rest of your life. But as long as it's stable, you can live with it. And I believe that shutting down that closed-minded fool from my 20s and opening my mind to alternative healing and chakras and um, chakra balancing and energy healing, that could be saving my life. So there's a fairly good example of following my intuition. Well, as an energy healer with 35 years experience, I would probably say it is. (laughs) (laughs) So I hope I didn't offend you by telling you how how little I thought of it when I was a fool. No, totally not. Mine is not to convince or convert. I just put it out there for people and they'll they'll feel the truth of it or they won't and that's fine. So I'm glad you did find someone to work with cuz I would be one who would say why not? It's not interfering with anything allopathically being done on your behalf and I personally know there can be miracles. Once we open ourselves up to that possibility that maybe the book says this is a terminal illness that I have to live with for the rest of my life. But if I choose not to buy into that paradigm, perhaps I'm setting myself up for a different result. So thanks for sharing that. I want to know, why are you sharing your story? Why, why put all this out there right now? Some people will claim that I have selfish motivations, that it's a cry for attention. Mm-hmm. And as a person who got a theater degree, let's be honest, actors <laughs> love their attention, right? But the reality is I started sharing my story with my close friends and family on Caringbridge from day one because I wanted the support. Mm-hmm. I wanted them to know what I was going through. And I wanted them not to treat me like David, the cancer patient. But to be there and know my experience. And also, Karen Bridge does make it a little easier to not keep telling your story over and over and over, right? So that helps. Since I've been at this for a year and I've learned so much, it's funny. I told someone the other day, I said, I think I've learned more about my cancer in the last year than my oncologist has Mm -hmm. because I read 20, 30, 40 minutes every single day on this topic. And she doesn't have time for that. She's taking care of patients. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like I've almost gotten a college degree over the last year in the the amount of information that I have consumed. So now I just want to share. I want to share what I've learned. I want people who aren't sick to make some of those choices now so they don't get sick. And I want other cancer patients to know that there are so many silver linings from a cancer diagnosis that, and I'm not the only one to say that, even mm-hmm. even when people lose their loved ones, they'll tell you that the time they had with them was amazing. And so that's probably why I'm sharing my story in formats like this. You've demonstrated that it's we can either react or we can respond. It just seems to me there's more of like, okay, this is what I have to deal with. So let me just surrender to the condition I'm in and let me go with it as opposed to saying, no, I don't want to have anything to do with this. And honestly, that is how I started to deal with it in the very beginning. 
I actually made the mistake of telling my friends and family, I don't want to talk about cancer. Mm -hmm. Do not bring it up unless I do. And especially for my mother and sister, they're like, you can't put that kind of limitation on me. I want to know what's going on (laughs) with you. But I thought, man, if I don't put this out into the universe, maybe it'll go away. Well, that doesn't quite work like that because even if you're not talking about it, you're thinking about it every day. Mm-hmm. And I do mean every day. There's not a day that goes by I don't think about cancer. So I finally just embraced the fact that if I was going to deal with it, I needed to talk about it. I needed to give my friends and family the license to talk about it whenever they wanted to, but that we would always put a positive spin on it and talk about the things that it had improved rather than and certainly we talk about the diagnosis and the prognosis and the health and the the implications of all of that but mostly we focus on the silver linings so i don't mind talking about it at all now no it's a great approach because energy follows your thought it flows where the attention is so if your focus is on the negative that's usually what you get more of so it's good that you've got that what i call vibrational awareness okay Let's look at the silver linings. Let's stay there in our mind. David, if you could tell your younger self one thing, what would that be and why? I would tell my younger self to enjoy hair. (laughs) (laughs) I miss running my fingers through my hair. Oh, they they probably get the idea, right? Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the real answer to that is it doesn't matter how much you stress about the things going on in your life. Everything is going to work out. And I'm talking about having enough money. I'm talking about that job you really, really wanted and didn't get. I'm talking about that girl that broke your heart talking about all the things that you thought were tragedies in your life, they all led to an amazing life, like everything worked out. So that's what I would tell my younger self. And maybe I wouldn't be so wound up in my 30s and 40s. Mm -hmm. So before we end this part of our discussion, can you tell people how they can connect with you? Yeah. So you introduced me as a a digital media person. Mm -hmm. So the very best way to find me is to just Google my name, David (laughs) McBee, M-C-B-E-E. If I'm not number one on that search, I'm doing something wrong. But more specifically, if this is the kind of content that they want to consume, I have a playlist on my YouTube channel of all my guest appearances where I talk about things like this, as well as a podcast on my YouTube channel as well. So youtube.com forward slash David McBee might lead your viewers to really find the information that they are interested in. Perfect. So I just want to thank you for being so open with your story. And I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed being on your show. Well, that's our time for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with two others so we can bring more healing to the planet. And now, here's a quote for you to contemplate as you go about your day. Sometimes when things are falling apart, they may actually be falling into place. 
Jay Lin.